Good morning. My name is Kristen. I'm one of the leaders here, and I am truly honored to be speaking to you this morning. The topic for today's sermon is prayer is hard. If you're a Christian, it's not a new thing to know the importance of prayer. We pray to an almighty, all-powerful God. Prayer is a privilege. It is a gift given to us by our Lord. We pray for petitions and make petitions for ourselves and intercess for those we love. We pray to thank our Lord and to worship him. So we all know that we should pray. But the reality is, is prayer is hard. It's hard to find time. And when we do find the time, it can often be long and repetitive and even boring. And then, one of the most struggles for me, it's often hard to see results when we pray. Philip Yancey, an American spiritual author, said, Everywhere I encounter the gap between prayer in theory and prayer in practice. In theory, prayer is the essential human act, a priceless point of contact with the God of the universe. But in practice, prayer is often confusing and fraught with frustration. A study was done with a group of Christians, and only 3% felt satisfied with their prayer life. So if you are finding prayer difficult, you're not alone. This morning, we're going to discuss three reasons I think prayer can be hard, and then give you some suggestions as to ways, as to, um, ways to overcome these difficulties. The first reason I think prayer is hard is that we are busy. We are a busy people. And it's difficult to find time in our schedules to pray. In a modern world of technology, we are bombarded with distractions, whether that be TV or Netflix or a phone or even our work. There is no easy solution to, to overcome this, except to fight through the distractions. Colossians 4.2 says, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Make prayer a top priority. And perhaps change how you look at prayer. So I often compare prayer, time spent with God, to time spent exercising. When I exercise, we do it to strengthen our bodies. When we pray, when we spend time with God, we are strengthening our souls. With exercise, when you first start out, it is often difficult and quite frankly painful, right? But after some time, as we practice more, it gets easier. And I think the same thing can be said for prayer. And also with exercise, there gets to a point down the road, there becomes a day where if you miss it, you feel like something is wrong. You feel like you, you crave it. And I think this, 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 the same thing can be said for prayer. If you miss a day of prayer, that time with God, you feel like something is missing for your day. We need to look no farther than our Lord Jesus Christ, who often, the, the Gospels mentioned, went to secluded places to pray to our Father. I can only imagine that one of the many reasons that he went to pray was to re-energize, was to strengthen his soul, was to be refilled with the Holy Spirit so that he had enough strength and endurance to make it through the day. So like Jesus, we too need to find secluded places and make time for prayer. Now another reason that I think prayer is hard is because sometimes time spent in prayer can feel repetitive, long, and even boring. I feel like I went through a number of years while I was constantly looking at my watch to see how many minutes I had left in my prayer time. 
Now, as we evaluate this difficulty, we're going to actually we're going to take a look at the um, the life of Elijah and use his prayer life to, to get some takeaways from it. Elijah, as we all know, was one of the most famous prophets in the Bible. And one of God's missions for him was to bring upon the destruction of Baal, a, um, a fertility deity. Now, there are 450 prophets of Baal and only one prophet of the Lord, which was Elijah. So Elijah challenges these 450 prophets to see who is the true God. The Baal prophets agree to Elijah's, Elijah's challenge, and they cry out to their God. Of course, they get no response. They try and try and try. Eventually, they give up. And Elijah sits back, sits back and he says a prayer, a simple prayer. And as soon as he prays, fire comes down from heaven and consumes the sacrifice that he had prepared for the Lord. Soon after this, the Baal prophets are actually killed. Now, as a result, Jezebel, who is the Israeli king's wife, who is also a worshiper of Baal, became very angry, very angry with Elijah for destroying all of her prophets. And so she sent a messenger to Elijah, telling Elijah that, she, that his life was going to be taken from him. So Elijah, who had just experienced this amazing, awe-inspiring moment of seeing the power of God, was now at one of the lowest parts of his life. He was scared. Elijah's response to Jezebel's message was to flee, to run. He went to the wilderness, and he was out without food. He was out without water. He was exhausted. He felt hopeless. He felt abandoned by the people that he was trying to save. He was at, perhaps, one of the lowest points of his life. And the only place to turn was to our Father. And so he prayed. He prayed to God, and he actually asked God to take his life. Now, God said no, and instead sent an angel to minister him, and it gave him food and wine, uh, food and water, re replenished his body. Um, and then the Lord told Elijah to go to Mount Horeb and wait for him there. So we're going to pause here and return to the struggle that we mentioned before this, the struggle of finding prayer, perhaps repetitive, perhaps boring. Now, I mentioned when Elijah was at the lowest point of his life, he turned to the Lord. 1 Kings 19.4 says, Elijah prayed, I have had enough, Lord. Take my life. I am no better than my father's. Now, this wasn't a list of requests. This wasn't Elijah talking to a faraway God in the distance. This was Elijah talking to his Lord, his father, his friend, someone he had truly an intimate relationship with. This was Elijah emptying out every possible emotion he was feeling at that time. For me, prayer changed from a burden to a joy when I started really giving God my heart, when I turned prayer into a conversation with my friends, my father, my Lord. A few years ago, I heard a sermon, and there's a little tidbit that has stayed with me, and that is, pray where you're at. Whatever you're feeling, whether you're feeling distant to God, tell him that. Whether you're feeling angry with God, that's okay, tell him that. Whether you're feeling frustrated, hopeless, desperate, sad, tell him that. 
Or you could be feeling happy and joyful. Tell them that. Pray where you're at. Andrew Murray in the Ministry of Intercessory Prayer says this, God's call to much prayer need not be a burden or cause for continual self-condemnation. He intends it to be a joyful task. He can make it an inspiration. Through it, he can give us strength for all our work and bring blessing to others by his power that works in us. Okay, so we've discussed two suggestions to help with our prayer life. The first is to make time for prayer. Look at it in some ways as, as strengthening your soul. The second is to pray where you're at. Make it a conversation with a friend. So we're going to move on to the third difficulty. And this is the one that I struggle with the most. And that is, it's sometimes hard to see results. There is often a lot of waiting involved. We live in a world in which we have much of what we need at our fingertips. My husband, every night, is looking for a new, faster way to download things from the internet. I have no idea why someone needs to fill me in. But regardless, we are an impatient people. And when we do see results, we tend to explain them away. The enemy has done a really good job replacing faith with intellect. We find a scientific reason to explain everything in life and sometimes forget to give credit to God. So how do we overcome this struggle? Well, what has worked for me is to start to expect God to answer our prayers. For much of my life, I did kind of look at God as this faraway God who I think heard me and maybe answers a prayer every now and then again. But this isn't what the Bible teaches us. Jeremiah 33.3 says, Call to me and I will answer, and I will tell you wonderful and marvelous things you could never figure out on your own. I will answer you, says the Lord. This is a promise, and we can claim this promise. Now, he might not answer us the way we want him to answer us. As we saw with Elijah, when Elijah asked the Lord to take his life, the Lord gave him a big fat no. But regardless, he will answer you. As you expect God to answer your prayers, it's important to become sensitized to the way God answers. Sometimes his answers are obvious and loud. Just like with Elijah, when the fire came down from heaven, that was the mighty power of God. There was no debate. But most of the time, and, and frankly all the time for me, they're quite subtle and quiet and almost look like coincidences. Archbishop William Temple said, when I pray, coincidence ha coincidences happen. When I don't, they don't. I want to pick up the story of Elijah where we left off. The Lord had told him to go to Mount Horeb and wait for him. Remember, Elijah was still down and depressed. So Kings 19 says, as he was waiting there for the Lord, Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire either. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. Elijah was at the lowest point of his life, and God didn't use this huge supernatural event, didn't use fire, earthquake, wind. He used a gentle whisper 
a whisper that could have easily have been missed if Elijah wasn't looking out for it. Do not let the enemy win by explaining away God's answers prayers. Of course, God is going to use his creation. He's going to use the people that he's created, the world that he has created to answer prayers. He's going to use medicine to heal us. He's going to use job connections to find us a new job. We need to start opening our eyes to these subtleties, to these seemingly coincidences. And this starts with a choice. For me, much of my faith actually has been a choice, a choice to pray, a choice to believe that God will answer, to expect God to answer, and then a choice to believe that it was him when he did answer. We need to start crediting God for all the good in our lives. The more we start crediting God for the good in our lives, the bigger our God will seem to us. And the bigger our God seems to us, the more we see him moving and the bigger our faith will be. It's this beautiful cycle that starts with a choice and is just fed entirely by God and grows to a point just of absolute trust in our Lord. Expect God to answer your prayers. Today we talked about um, the fact that prayer is hard and some of the ways to overcome it. Number, number one, make prayer a priority and look at it as a way to strengthen your soul. Number two is to pray where you're at. Make your prayer time a conversation with our Lord, a friend. And number three is to expect God to answer your prayers. I want to end with a personal testimony of an answered prayer in my life. So I have three girls. I have twin girls that are almost six and a three-and-a-half-year-old. And so at one point, they, we had three children all under the age of three, which I wouldn't exactly recommend. It was slightly difficult, um, but we did it. We survived it. Um, but that, during that first year, the first year that the littlest one, Eliana, was born, it was difficult. Um, my husband was working a pretty demanding job at the time, and he wouldn't come home often until after I had put all three of the girls into bed. When he was home, it was often tension between him and the girls, and therefore him and me, because he wasn't home that often. Um, and our, our marriage was suffering. It was a really, really difficult time. And I remember just having some dark thoughts. I remember just being like, well, we will stick this out for the sake of the kids, one of those type thoughts. And so I, I made a choice one day. I said to God, okay, I, every time that I feel frustrated with my husband, every time that I feel sad or angry, every time that we get into a disagreement, I'm going to turn that into a prayer. And it doesn't mean that I didn't feel those emotions. I certainly did. But I felt them, and I, it was almost like a cue to pray, to remember to pray, and to give that to God. So I made this choice, and then... All of a sudden, but at the same time very gradual, I looked and our marriage was in an entirely different spot. My husband was coming home a little bit earlier, working less hours. We had created this check-in system so we were making sure we would communicate on a daily basis. He was getting along, his relationship with my girls was blossoming. It was truly an answered prayer. Now when I made that choice to give, essentially to surrender my marriage to God, I told God that I was going to spend the next year of my prayer life dedicating it to my marriage. And it, it took only one month. 
which it was a miracle. It was amazing. Church, no matter how broken a relationship may seem, and I know in COVID, a lot of relationships are strained right now. There is no relationship that is too broken that it can't be fixed by God through prayer. No matter how impossible a situation may seem, all things are possible with God through prayer. Make prayer a priority. Pray where you're at and expect God to answer your prayers. Let us pray. Dear Father, we thank you so much for this gift of prayer that you have given us, this privilege that we have that we can talk to you, Lord. And dear Father, we just ask that you teach us how to pray. And will you use this season in our life right now, Lord, to strengthen our prayer life and ultimately strengthen our relationship with you, Jesus. We ask all of this in Jesus' name.